You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, it's Sean Ailing, jumping into your feed with a little something extra this week. It's an excerpt from Intuit, a new pop culture show from our friends over at Vulture, hosted by Sam Sanders. Every week, Sam sits down with his Vulture colleagues to discuss the stories in pop culture that they can't stop thinking about. In the interview you're about to hear, Sam talks with New York Times columnist Tressie McMillan Cottom about how the hit TV show Yellowstone reflects our own identity politics. If you like it, you can listen and subscribe to Intuit in your favorite podcast app. The show is set among rich people in Wyoming. Of course it's conservative. <laughs> what else would it be? Of course it's conservative. This is my Aunt Betty, my mother's sister. And she is describing a show we are both obsessed with. It's actually set in Montana, not Wyoming, but close enough. A show that's recently begun a lot of conversations over its politics. This show is called Yellowstone. I'm going to buy your ranch first. Right after you die and your children can't afford the inheritance tax. And Yellowstone, it is insanely popular. One of the most popular dramas on TV. Some episodes get over 10 million viewers a pop. Kevin Costner plays the patriarch in this ranching family. Yeah, Kevin Costner. My Aunt Betty first got me hooked on Yellowstone when I was visiting her maybe a year or two ago. And she said, Sam, trust me, you've got to watch. And I think I got through the entire first season of Yellowstone in like two days. I'm trying to think of how to describe this show for people who haven't seen it yet. It is maybe Succession meets the soap opera Dallas meets the Montana Big Sky. It's about a family who owns this huge mega ranch, thousands of acres. Their name is Dutton. The ranch name is Yellowstone. And I have never seen a more dysfunctional family in any TV series. You're fired. So thank you for all that land around your father's ranch. We have big plans for this valley. There is always some entity, somebody, some big corporation trying to take their land from them to start to build a resort or build an airport or something. So they're in a constant struggle trying to maintain their land and their life. And they will do anything 
to maintain it. Listen, they will hook and crook and kill and steal to keep that yes. ranch together. It's kind of wild. Yes, they It's funny. Some of the chatter around this show, Yellowstone, is about how the audience of this show leans politically. I wonder if you ever think about the politics of the Dutton family, the politics of the folks that make Yellowstone, or the politics of the people who watch it. No. I am really watching for entertainment. It would, it would affect me if it offended me. Right now, I'm yeah. entertained, so I'm not offended. Well, my Aunt Betty might be unbothered by the politics of Yellowstone, but a lot of other people are. There has been this drama around the show and its prequels recently. The Yellowstone Cinematic Universe keeps getting snubbed by the Emmys, at least for the big awards, in spite of its popularity, in spite of its star power. And some say it's because Yellowstone, the show itself, and the people who like it are too conservative. Now to take some time now and ask two questions. What actually are the politics of Yellowstone? And should we care? I called up sociologist and MacArthur Fellow and New York Times columnist Tressie McMillan Cottom to discuss. She recently wrote a piece for the Times called A Big TV Hit is a Conservative Fantasy Liberals Should Watch. And it made a lot of people feel some kind of way. But I loved our chat about it. And the big takeaway from that conversation was, yes, the politics of this show matter. But those politics, they are more complicated than you might think. Could we call you Yellowstone fan? I don't know. <laughs> I, I've watched better. I have okay. definitely watched worse. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to watch it again, however. So let's say an interested party. It's interesting that this article got so much blowback and so much response. Because, you know, Yellowstone, as a show, has existed for a few years now. It just wrapped its fourth season. There are, I think, two prequels about this show that exist. What made you want to write it now? The show is now much more than a show. Um, when you start talking about prequels and just the scale of this show, this is a universe. So when it is more than just a single creative property, when you start building out prequels, you're not just then trying to capture people's imagination for the hour a week. You want them to think of themselves as being part of a world. Yeah. Right? And so my question's about the success and popularity of that world. It suggests that there are a lot of people who are getting something that they need from mm. that universe. And when you think about our political polarization in this country, uh -huh. when you think about how we form our identity uh, against the backdrop of all that polarization, a show that is hugely successful, millions of people who cannot get enough, not just of the show, but of its prequels and its other content, they are not usually just watching because of the storylines, mm -hmm. you know. You are then tuning in because you are getting some sort of return, some sort of emotional return. And because the show is very popular with conservative viewers, not just conservative viewers, but it's a conservative show that does really well in what we call red states, mm -hmm. that meant there were people who tend to be thought of as isolated in the political mm -hmm 
world who are getting something and desiring something from the cinematic universe. And I found that very fascinating and a window into how we think of ourselves in our everyday life, especially for a group of people that we don't uh, talk probably enough about in complex, nuanced ways when it comes to politics and identity politics. What do you think folks like that are getting from this show? I mean, you know, we can't get away from the powerful appeal of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. This is a show weeping with nostalgia. Oh, yeah. This ain't checkers, son. This is chess, and you're about to play it with masters. And these people, they're going to twist you into so many knots, you won't know where the truth begins and your future ends. Kevin Costner alone is a nostalgic oh, yeah. figure. Oh, yeah. He's playing a quintessential character in American pop culture. The Western has always symbolized how America wants to see itself. Mm. Ambitious, rugged individualism. The westward expansion is really just an American fantasy about how you can acquire land and power and wealth without any political downsides. And so I think we're having a very romantic conversation with people who feel like they are losing, quote unquote, their country. Yeah. And so in many ways, it's a pop culture safe space for people who really want to imagine the best of America and their place in it, who I think know that it has changed on them, but are still resisting and don't want to encounter that fantasy through political language. So the show isn't hammering on a sort of like a political message. And so I think that makes it feel sort of soft and fuzzy um, in a way that, you know, watching Fox News doesn't. So a lot of nostalgia, a lot of romanticism, a lot of fear. Repeat what I say. I'm going back to California. I'm, I'm going back to California. Montana doesn't want you. Montana doesn't want me. You know, John Dutton, the main character, that's Kevin Costner's character, you know, is just driven by a lot of anxieties and fear. And I think he is a bit of a Rorschach for a lot of people who are feeling fearful about social change uh, in this nation. And he's facing it in a way, you know, with bravado, with guns, Mm -hmm. with With money, with money. That is the American fantasy, right? If there's something in America you don't like, what do we tell people? Well, work hard, make enough money and buy your way out of it. There you go. Uh, And that's what John Dutton promises. Yeah. You know, what I see in this show, once I begin to look at it critically, uh, and especially after reading your piece, Kevin Costner sets up the imagery of conservative white grievance without Mm -hmm. any of the negative baggage. There it is. This is America. We don't share land here. I think so much of the narrative around the plight of the quote-unquote white man as Mm -hmm. preached by, like, Fox News is that, like, your country is under attack. They're Mm -hmm. taking everything away from you. They're taking your taxes. They're taking uh, your right to say what you want to say. They're taking your jobs. They're taking this. They're taking that. You are under attack and your way of life is under attack. But it is constantly criticized as just, you know— old white people with grievances and y'all should just shut up. But when it's packaged in the packaging of Yellowstone, it's a powerful, charismatic, beautiful actor named Kevin Costner wearing that grievance for you. And it almost makes it feel more palatable for everybody when it comes in that kind of package. But I do think it is a kind of homage to the idea of like 
white America's last stand. Absolutely. You know, I was speaking with someone, um, a scholar of such things, and he said, you know, this is what the Western genre is. It Mm. is about a white imagination, where the white imagination goes to play with the alternate versions of itself. Mm. This show in post-Trump America, the political backdrop of white grievance and white reclamation that Mm. we are undergoing, this sort of clawing back of the culture, you know, the culture mm-hmm. wars, this clawing back of democratic social institutions, schools, voting, electoral politics, trying to claw that back to a sort of like mythical 40, 50 years ago when those systems worked better for white Americans than they did for non-white Americans. All of that in this moment makes this a very different show to me. Mm. Making then white grievance not the gray-haired, paranoid character that, you know, we mock on social media and more liberal media and prestige media. It is a counter-narrative to the sort of manic white Mm -hmm. grievance that we see in the news. It is a white grievance that you can feel good about. Because they've softened some of the edges. You know, you write in your piece, it's not exactly just a conservative show. There are portrayals of Native people in this show, and it is not trying to stereotype them. It's not the best portrayal, but it's not the worst. There are queer people in this show, and you have in this conservative white family led by Kevin Costner's character, people who aren't outright Racists, you know, they embrace people of color on the farm, right? So it is not nearly as harsh and combative as the version of white grievance that we see in Fox News. They imagine that, listen, I don't hate people who are different from me as long as they are trying to live like me. So the co-option of diversity throughout Yellowstone is one of the most fascinating aspects to me because visually it is a very diverse show. You've got a full slate of Native American characters, and I want to be specific here, not necessarily Native American actors. I think the Native American community would want us to note, but Mm -hmm. Native American characters who have their own settings, their own backstories, their own politics. That's pretty rare in a prestige television show. And they are offered up as being at least as complex as the Duttons. Mm -hmm. You've got black cowboys. There you go. Uh, (laughs) Which I always love to see. (laughs) Yes. Listen, I'm a big fan of black cowboys. So I also love to see it for many reasons, Sam. Yeah. Many, many, many reasons. They were the original (laughs) cowboys. They were the original cowboys. I like seeing the black cowboys, okay? And so, yeah, (laughs) you're getting all that visual eye candy. It is gorgeous. It's shot beautifully, right? All of these people are getting good lighting and good costume design. So it's Mm -hmm. amazing visually. But the politics of having that kind of diversity is very cosmetic, Mm. which is the preference of white identity politics, Mm. which is said for liberals to call us racist when we accept all people. This is the American principle of a melting pot, right? Uh But always with the assumption that you will aspire to be like us. Yeah. That is actually more of a conservative principle than having just outright blatant racist. That, to me, is how conservative politics actually operates Mm. in most people. And so the show is actually, I think, quite sophisticated in offering up a conservative politics that looks more like the 
nuanced way that people actually experience it than the sort of firebrand of conservative politics that we usually get. Oh, yeah. And I think when I apply any frame of like meta-analysis to Yellowstone, it's really asking what Americans can and should think of institutions. I think you see this family that says, in order to defend our territory, we cannot rely on any institution to do so. The cops can't do it. The courts can't do it. The government can't do it. So either we do it ourselves or we co-opt those institutions towards our own end. And when I think of it that way, it's like, oh, this sits right next to a lot of framing of political discourse happening in conservative politics right now. There's a question of the role of the institution in American life and whether or not we should rely on institutions or dismantle them. And Yellowstone, whether we want to see it or not, is a part of that conversation and is in conversation with those ideas that politicians are talking about right now. Absolutely. I say that Yellowstone is a powerful cultural object in large part because it does not feel like a political object to millions of people. That says to me that when you tuned into that show and you see that extreme apathy towards social progress and the institutions that have made it possible, then you have on some level already accepted that frame that social institutes are failing that Mm -hmm. they are going to continue to fail, and that the logical response to that failure is not to make those, to shore up those institutions. That would Mm -hmm. be the more liberal interpretation, I think, of a Yellowstone, you know, especially in prestige television. I think if it was truly a liberal show and aimed at, you know, liberal politics, it would be reformation, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's just a, a foundational liberal principle. The conservative principle, however, of Yellowstone is exactly that withdrawal. It is to withdraw from the social institutions and to double down on the family as the only thing that can save you. (laughs) There you go. Yes. Yeah. Well, and like what I found so interesting in the discourse around your piece and people talking to you in social media about whether or not they watch Yellowstone, it seemed as if some liberals only felt comfortable telling you that they watched Yellowstone through private DM. Yes. One woman said (laughs) it was a a very long DM, you know, wanting to justify and explain away and and how I needed to understand that she was a true progressive. I think she told me who she (laughs) voted for. And then she said, and I can't say any of this on social media because I have a job. And I was like, wow. To think about your preferences being so tied to your Mm -hmm. identity and your performance of your identity to other people, that just saying you watch a soap opera is a challenge to like your social status was amazing. Very sociological, but very amazing to me. Uh Uh-huh. I will say it is so interesting to see the response to your piece on Yellowstone and the response to the show itself feel so polarized because Mm -hmm. you argue in the piece, and I think it's true of the show, it's not that cut and dry. It's not just stereotypically conservative. It's not just anti-elite. In fact, it has some media elites working in and on this show. Taylor Sheridan, who made this show, 
was up for an Academy Award a few years ago for a film that he wrote. Which, let me tell you something. Taylor Sheridan, by, uh, I think, one reporting, has a spread in Montana that is the size <laughs> of, like, Manhattan. <laughs> exactly. He's elite. He's elite. You know who I now think of ter- Taylor Sheridan as being the parallel to? Who? I think of him as the white person's Tyler Perry. <laughs> Did you hear my jaw on the floor right now? <laughs> yeah. Did you hear it drop? <laughs> Please unpack this for me. Please. Well, they've both identified an audience that feels isolated and rejected by mainstream popular culture. Mm. Mm. They have invested uh, a lot of creative energy in building a whole universe of characters for that audience. And yeah. they take a lot of pride in being outsiders mm. in the mainstream Hollywood system. Now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I think Taylor Sheridan has better wigs on his sets, hands down. <laughs> well, that's about a low that. bar. That's a low exactly. bar right there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and he's definitely spending more money on his shows than I think than I think Tyler is spending. Yes. But yes. I think as far as what like brings their audience to them and makes their audience so loyal. And Mm. brings out the same sort of shame and embarrassment among people who feel like they shouldn't be watching it. Uh They share that. They have that in common. Wow. I love that. You know, when I watched the first season with my Aunt Betty, we just watched it, you know, for the fun. Uh, She has watched all of it. She still watches it. And I asked her this week, I was like... Do you think of the politics of this and conservative politics and white politics and grievance politics? Do you think about any of those things when you watch Yellowstone? And she said, no, it's just fun. And I wonder, do we think that most viewers are watching it with the eye that we are discussing right now? And do you think it's fair to put this frame of politics on the show. I love doing it, but there might be some folks yeah. who say it's not fair to do all that with this literal soap opera. Not only are there folks who would say that, those folks have absolutely said it to me. So, yes, you're accurate. <laughs> if your Aunt Betty is like my Aunt Helen or my grandma or all of the other people that I grew up watching stories with, they have been trained by popular culture how to consume something like Yellowstone. Mm. without thinking about its politics. Um, Now, whether or not that's important is debatable. I tend to fall down on the side of it being important because our politics don't just happen when we are voting. Mm. We work out our politics long before we start following Mm -hmm. any electoral politics, right? Mm -hmm. We look at television and books and film for ideas about what is normal, Mm -hmm. what is right, and what's aspirational. Right. Like how we want to live, what we want the world to look like. And so not every show to your second question, not every cultural object is probably worth applying a political lens. (laughs) But every cultural object has a political lens. Right. Yeah. Now, what do I need to now think about everything I watch? Absolutely not. (laughs) I watch a lot of bad TV, Sam. (laughs) Same. Okay. Same. I watch oh, a yeah. lot of bad stuff. I am not that sophisticated or high-minded when it comes to my popular culture. And so it's totally fine not to think about it. What I argue is that if you never think about any of it, you can become someone or something that you didn't intend to be. Mm. So what I say about Yellowstone is it's all right not to think about it. 
But maybe every once in a while, after you've binged a few seasons, maybe you ask yourself something like, hey, am I feeling a little bit more libertarian today than I was uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, am I am I feeling a little bit more or less disgusted with gun violence than I was a couple of weeks ago? Right. Mm. Have I become numb to sexual violence against women because I've been watching mm. rape scene after sexual violence scene after molestation scene, you know, for days on end? Like that's what pop culture can do to us if we don't think about any of it ever. So not only is it fair and reasonable to do it, but I think that if we care about the world that we live in, and I admit that that's not (laughs) an assumption (laughs) I should always make, uh, I think that we have to think about it sometimes. Oh, yeah. My last question for you. If you had to sum up in three sentences or less what the discourse and fighting over Yellowstone and its political credentials, what that says about the state of our American politics, what would you say? So one, our culture is as polarized as our politics. Yeah. At the same time, our culture is more nuanced than our politics. Mm. Three, an audience that is challenged in its culture can be moved in its politics. Yeah. I love it. Teach a Yellowstone class, and I will attend. Thanks again to Tressy McMillan Cottom. Her op-ed for The Times, all about Yellowstone, is called A Big TV Hit is a Conservative Fantasy Liberals Should Watch. And she cites this really interesting working paper from two sociologists, Clayton Childress and Craig Rawlings. Their paper is called When Tastes Are Ideological, the asymmetric foundations of cultural polarization. If you're into academic articles, go check it out. Hey, Sam Sanders here, popping in at the end here to say, I hope you enjoyed our segment on the politics of Yellowstone. You can listen to the full episode and all of our other episodes by searching for Intuit in your favorite podcast app. Two words, into it. Happy listening. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.